0: From the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe, you're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. Welcome to the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your kick-butt host, David Strausser, and this is your place to learn how to grow a business. During complete chaos with a little bit of a pandemic sprinkled in, we've got an amazing show scheduled again for today. But before I tell you how awesome it actually is, I want to remind you all that my first full article on Forbes.com is up and live. We will have the links posted, it's on our social media, it's been published. I am so happy. This was a bucket list item for me myself. I've been in a couple of articles that were roundtable discussions as part of the Forbes Business uh, Business Development Council that I'm on. But this is my first full-fledged solo article, and it is hot. It comes right back to this show, Shark Bite Biz. It's all about the trends that I learned here doing this show since we launched with episode one on July 6th of 2020. I compressed... A lot of the top tips and really just ported it into an article. I really hope you find it all insightful. Do me a favor. Please make sure you check that out. That'll be a big boost for me. Trying to get as many clicks as possible and feedback on it as well, too. I can only write better things if I get the feedback of what you found helpful. So... Enough talking about me. Let's talk about our rockstar guest. We're going to talk about some topics like why outsourcing sales is cheaper and more effective and actually more efficient sometimes than marketing itself. We're going to discuss if cold calling is even relevant in 2021. It was already on a downhill spiral prior to the pandemic And maybe this pandemic is finally what pushes over the cliff. We'll discuss that. We'll discuss how to stand out in a crowded industry. And the most important topic during the pandemic of how to delegate work to be more efficient. Save yourself some time and possibly if you just do it right get better results so who is today's guest oh so glad you asked it is mr james harper james harper is a serial entrepreneur based out of denver colorado who is currently uh say that again Who is the current founder of AgencyFlare.com, a B2B outsourced sales agency? Over the past decade, James has bootstrapped two businesses from the ground up and got them both acquired. James's passion is helping new entrepreneurs find their initial footing in business and helping sales professionals achieve their goals and become the best version of themselves. I could not say that better myself. James is amazing. So, let's bring James on in here. Reach your customer. James, welcome to SharkBite Biz. You, my man, are now SharkBait.
1: <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm uh, <laughs> glad to be here, David. Really appreciate you having me on.
0: Oh, no problem. You know, it took me a whole season to figure out, like, wow, I could use SharkBait.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes sense, you know. Um, now, now Better it's so than bad. ever. Yeah, better late than never. And let's hope that none of your uh, (laughs) guests are actually shark bait, but for this sense, I'm looking forward to it.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, we've got a fun conversation planned for today. So let's kick it off. Let's jump right in there, okay? What makes James, James? Tell us about your experience, your background, all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, you know that's a a really big question. I would say it's a loaded question. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) what makes me me? You know, I'm not really sure if I have one specific uh, answer to that. Um, I think my team, my wife, the people in my everyday life, would be best at answering that. But a little bit about my story. Um, You know, I we're obviously here to talk sales today, and. And yep. my story really is a lot of survival. I mean, I'm, I'm in sales because sales saved my life. Uh, and I'm, I, I describe myself as a serial entrepreneur, David, someone that's really uh, kind of fallen into the business world. I learned early on that uh, I'm unemployable is kind of like the word I like to say. I just could not uh, do the nine to five, sit in the cubicle, sit in the desk. Um, you could I, not
0: confirm.
1: I couldn't conform. Yeah. And actually, uh, uh, maybe we'll get into this, but like, uh, I think it's really important to understand how you work. I, I have a mm-hmm. rebel personality. So uh took some tests a long time ago and it said, oh, you're a rebel. So yeah, conforming's definitely oh, not yeah. in, in my DNA. But I,
0: I, I'm the same exact way. Like the nine to five thing isn't me because it's like i don't know i kind of view it as torture because of the fact that i know i'm doing stuff early morning i'm doing stuff late in the eve you know and then it's like hold on you want me to go to all these things in the morning you want me to go to all these things at night and then also nine to five in a cubicle all day uh, i just didn't think it made sense uh, that therefore you know it, it's like i just like to work on my own time i mean even with my job right now vision 33 uh this is this podcast is a personal product. So it was really fun being a rebel and just saying, Hey, Alex, uh, by the way, I'm launching a podcast in two weeks. I hope you have no objections because I've already recorded the first 10 episodes. And uh <laughs> you know, it's been pretty fun. But yeah, go ahead. Let's hear about yeah. this. I love this.
1: Yeah. Well, uh I think it's I think it's great that you have a a, a job and a career that gives you that flexibility. But mm-hmm. uh Long story short, I'm from Denver, Colorado. That's where I currently reside, where where I, where I was born and where I believe I'm going to die. Uh, my proudest thing in life is I'm uh, a proud husband and father of two boys. One's three and a half, one's six months old, so I'm in the thick of it. And uh, I'm really proud about um, the people I work with and the businesses that I've created. And I think we have this wonderful thing called the Internet to where people like oh, yeah. you and I can now connect uh, that have no prior relationship, um, but now can build upon it. And uh, got into sales, like I said, because really, I had a, I had a kind of a tough upbringing, lost my father really early on. Uh, mom, Sorry to obviously, hear that. yeah, thank you had a uh, emotional, just distress and issues and three crazy kids. So she was kind of a uh, checked out. And by the time I was 16, 17, um, I actually found myself emancipated and living on my own uh, through a halfway house, as crazy as that sounds. And at this halfway house was really the first time being like this young, scared, insecure kid put into kind of like a sink or swim environment. I was in there with yeah. kids like uh that were facing five years prison time, that really right. had some crazy tough backgrounds. And you kind of le- had to learn how to sell yourself to the people you were around and and connect with people, especially that had such extreme different backgrounds. Um, yeah. So you, you fast forward into your adult life. I, I get out of this halfway house. I, I didn't, I, I, I'm really fortunate, David. I'm well-written, I'm well-spoken, which has served me well, but I never completed more than my ninth grade year in high school. So I ended up getting my GED and just what what jobs are available for someone that has minimal education, uh, that doesn't have any life experience because you're only 17, 18 years old. Anyone will take a waiver on a sales job. If you have the hustle and the ambition and the uh, just initiative, uh, there's some business owner out there. There's some sales position. Now, it might not be a great entry level (laughs) sales position but they'll take a waiver on you and here i was this young ambitious kid that just wanted to like get my life right and uh learn how to like survive and i started like as i as i call it slinging art from like the back of my truck i worked for this um place called the national art association they had wholesale art and i would literally go door to door to like dental offices and sell like pictured art to office spaces long story short, that's
0: that's funny because as you're saying like the art for doctor offices that you were selling i mean that's almost like if you're trying to sell elevator music to me (laughs) yes yeah exactly no it sucked
1: honestly it was an awful it was an awful job i made like 150 bucks commission a week if that that was like a good week but what it did was it tested my comfort zone and it really allowed me again put me in an uncomfortable situation to grow similar to the halfway house i had to learn how to walk into businesses connect with people learn what worked and what didn't um, fast forward you know i mean five ten years and just doing random sales jobs i found myself really in marketing uh, mm. kind of fell fell into marketing on accident and uh, then i learned again i never pictured myself in sales never ever But through doing uh five six years of marketing and learning the online world which was really good to me gave me my first career start and gave me a good premise on sales i learned a lot of businesses do marketing for one reason to increase their lead generation to increase their sales so i i ran a company uh again being unemployable i kind of i saw that the agency world was uh Um, doable from working from your computer and you can scale Mm -hmm. that out to a small team ran a ran a marketing agency for five years with my best friend Uh, sold that a year and a half ago um, just about five five six months before the pandemic Um, really kind of fortunate timing there and by and when I sold uh, my first business I learned that uh, again it was all about my whole last year was all about How can we increase our our business to get to a new level of sales so we can get a higher listing price? And I had such
0: close- through the barriers that are preventing growth, as we put it on the show.
1: Yeah, I like that. That's actually really well put. I like that a lot. So long story short- I like your
0: story, though, man. I've got to just jump in real quick. It's a great story. And I, I knew there was something about you when I was looking over your profile because- while they happened in different geographies, I mean, your story is essentially very similar to what mine is personality-wise, unemployable. Now, I found a way that actually made it work most of my life, but there were six years I had my own company just doing my own thing. Uh, The big difference is when I was 17, yes, I was living on my own, but I was actually, I moved from rural Pennsylvania to Tijuana, Mexico and i was living (laughs) down in mexico by myself i didn't speak language and i crossed the border every single day to uh, work in san diego but you know sales was my calling i knew i wanted to sell because it's like what other job am i able to do with only having a ged like you at that time now i got college degrees prominently placed behind me and i was so happy when i got that because i'm like this is my graduation ceremony but i i found out from a young age like look i don't want to work for minimum wage okay i don't care if it's commission only or if it's minimum wage plus commissions uh, especially when I was younger, but sales is the only job that's going to let me earn more money if I do better and get better at it. My whole life, my dad's always like, he had a construction business like, hey, why aren't you out there learning how to roof? You lazy? And I'm like, no, I'm not lazy. <laughs> I'd rather sell my buy to my hands and make more money and be happier. It's just, I don't know. It's just a calling that I've always had. I never really got lucky like you did, though, as far as figuring out how to set up a business like you did. You know, now I could, but I wasn't able back then. You know, it's one of those things, hindsight's twenty-twenty. I probably would have figured out how to do that harder, probably would have made my life so much easier. But it's good because it, it did get me to where I'm at today and I am happy where I'm at today. Um, so it, it creates that foundation that builds your character that's going to carry you through the rest of your life.
1: Absolutely. I man, that's awesome that you lived in, uh, you said Tijuana, is that? Tijuana, is that cool? yeah. That, yeah. Man, I Most got...
0: Americans will say Tijuana like you just did, but there's no A at there. It's not TIA. It's actually just TI. So it's Tijuana is how Tijuana. you actually pronounce it. But the Tijuana star goes all the way back to like uh, prohibition time stuff like that. Uh, the legends of, I guess, how Tijuana was named—it's supposedly after Aunt Jane—and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it was cool. I remember going in a greyhound from Pennsylvania to Tijuana, and oh my God, like everybody be asking, like, "Hey, where are you guys going?" Oh, I'm going to Tijuana, and. Oh, man, I would hear the craziest stories from these random people. I didn't know if I should just be scared or if I should be happy. And got there and it just, the city grabbed me and kept me there. And I lived uh, about 15 years roughly down there.
1: That's awesome, so yeah, yeah. that's pretty really cool. I got lost in Tijuana then uh yeah, for a, for go. a whole for a whole like twelve hours uh when I was seventeen different story. my brother and I walked across the border on our by ourselves from San Diego and had a hard time getting back into the u s and oh. I had, I had to have my mom come get us. It was a mess but uh it's my, but <laughs> i had a great i had a great twelve hours down there
0: ah oh, i i can imagine i mean it's a it's a great Place it goes through its ups and downs just like any major city does, but it's uh, you know, especially if you stick to like the touristy area, stuff like that, it's it's beautiful, great food. Caesar salad is from Tijuana, there you go, never would have guessed wow. that.
1: Yeah, no, not yeah, at
0: all. yeah, cool. Google it, I'm telling you, right hand to God, it's uh, it's from downtown Tijuana in this restaurant that was called Caesar's. No, but I
1: love
0: that, anyways, so yeah, yeah, I thought I'd throw that out there just because. You're, different locations, like I said, but what you're saying really calls to me personally, because I've gone through my version of your story. And I think it's huge, especially to hear that somebody else out there went through similar what I went through. And, you know, you made it through the other side.
1: Yeah, fortunately, you know, and that's a process making it to the other side, if you will. And, uh, you know, out of all three of, um, I say us kids, my siblings, you know, yeah. two of the three of us did, you know, I, I still have a sister that's kind of on, on her own path, but, uh, yeah, I think there's something to be said for, um, survival and entrepreneurship. I think they kind of run hand in hand. Uh, there's one of my business who obviously knows the very nuts and bolts, uh, specifics of my story and, when mm-hmm. I first uh, became self-employed, and I was nervous about this or nervous about that, or had an upset client, he said, "James, you lived in a damn halfway house. You have nothing to be concerned about, and and basically like your your problems are minimal to what you've already conquered." And I think that right. can be true for anyone. Doesn't mean you have to have a hard upbringing, but we've all overcame some sort of adversity already in our life. Mm-hmm. And whatever adversity we think we have on our mind is never actually as bad as it's going to be.
0: Oh yeah, that, that's totally, totally true. And, and I think that kind of goes back a little bit to the saying, you know, like, uh, what is it? Like plan for the worst, hope for the best.
1: Yeah, yeah I believe in that actually, 100%. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, it, I think that's really critical for success when it comes down to it. So, I mean, you you did have an amazing story, like we said, of where you got to where you are. You sold your business about five six months right before the pandemic hit. Again, and you know, planned for the worst, hope for the best. And yeah. I would say that's probably perfect timing um, for you, at least, to get out of what you were doing. Yeah. What are you doing now exactly? So where are you now?
1: Yeah, so basically once I sold my business, I got, I don't know, probably five, six phone calls that first few weeks that it was made Mm -hmm. public and announced, hey, James, we'd like for you to come be our VP of sales or uh, run our sales team or uh, be our director of sales, something sales related and focused because really the last few years I was so Ingrained in my clients' businesses, I'm not just marketing. Although that was uh, our quote-unquote business, it was really increasing their sales. Mm-hmm. And then our own company had a great sales um, system and process that just seemed to click and work. Um, so I got all these. You, calls. you just
0: said something right there. Sorry, you said you had a great sales system, sales process. Uh, for the younger folk out there, because I think somebody that's experienced as you, me, we we know this answer, but. For younger, young executives, young sales reps, how important is it to have a defined sales process, a defined sales system?
1: It's everything. And I'm more and more convinced of that each and every day. Listen, I I started off the show saying I'm a rebel personality. Like It's hard for me at times to stay organized and have this ADHD and follow routine and habits <laughs> like all these great entrepreneurs you hear about. They like yeah. have these miracle mornings and wonderful habits. Well, like I struggle with that stuff, um, oh, but my way. my sales systems though have always been uh, A equals B equals C, and then mm-hmm. obviously you're tweaking the specifics of your system. But once you have that, you can duplicate, duplicate and scale Mm -hmm. and prospecting in the sales world needs to be continuous and you can't continually prospect and keep a strong pipeline if you don't have a system and a process in place. Now, whatever your process is has to work for you. You -hmm. you can't copy a template and make your, your system that template. It has to be, I think, defined and custom to you. Um, but Definitely. to have a system in place is huge.
0: No, I, to- I totally agree with you because, for example, when I came out here, I was one of Vision 33's most successful sales reps ever working out of Los Angeles. And that's what brought me back home to Pennsylvania, and I get promoted, and I have a sales rep out here. He's been in the industry for like 30 or 40 years. Obviously, I'm not going to change him, but he has the yes. same basic system as what i do but how he does it exactly him it won't work for me okay but it works for him and now that i understand that i accept that we close a heck of a lot of deals because of it
1: yeah exactly it's sales is a lot like uh your gym workout routine i think this is like the best analogy out there um if you and i david were to go to the gym we both we can both define a workout and go in together but just how you pick up a weight versus how i pick up a weight is going to be different our bodies are different our strengths are different our weaknesses are different and we really we're going to follow our general outline but you're going to do uh the workout program as you do it and i'm going to do it the same but we're we're on the same page but we're coloring mm-hmm. in our own minds and then w- the reason why this can be uh resulted like <laughs> or re- related back to working out is the result the result doesn't happen after one workout as much right. as i would love it you know my, my my six pack from when i was 18 will never come back after uh a, a few months of dieting and working out it's got to be continuous again right your prospecting your process your sales systems they have to be continuous and that's the one thing to have a successful sales department, for you to be a successful salesperson mm-hmm. you have to have is a routine and a strict habit that you're always analyzing uh, because it should it should never go away. It should be what you do every single day.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I totally agree with that. And I think that's the one foundation that all successful sales reps or sales executives have is that they do have that rhythm, that pattern, that process, that system that they follow. I mean, you just can't go out there on a win. I mean, yeah, you might get lucky once, but yeah. you're spending so much time, resources, than if you were more strategic.
1: Right. A hundred percent. And uh I think it's I so how important is it to me? Your your process is either everything or it's nothing. You either have one or right. you don't.
0: Right, right, right. So sorry, I jumped off on that tangent because you said something there that was, I thought it was important to kind of bring out and discuss. So where are you now then with Agency Flare? Like what does your business do and specialize in?
1: Yeah. um, So basically we are a B2B outsourced appointment setting agency. Mm -hmm. Uh, We created this a year and a half ago because I was getting hit up by just my network. Hey, come do sales for us. And really, Mm -hmm. when they say sales, it was, hey, come do the hard part, the cold prospecting. Mm -hmm. So Agency Flare essentially is an outsourced B2B um, cold prospecting company. Our whole goal is to follow up or one, identify uh what our clients called prospects are um start developing a relationship with them and it's really hard as you know david to mm-hmm. get someone who has zero idea who you are to actually take time and listen to you um oh, so yeah. your out your outreach has to be genuine it has to be personalized it has to be authentic and at the same time it's got to be efficient and you it's got to be scaled um not everything can be automated Uh, But you have to have, again, a system in place to where you can be genuine with your outreach, but also be very effective. That's one of the the big things. I think
0: when you scale things, okay, you're doing prospecting, outreach, whatever it is, you're trying to scale it to do as many as you can, to automate as much as you can. And that's where a lot of people lose the, you know, the genuine. Feeling, you know, it, it just feels like, hey, this is just copy and paste.
1: Yeah, exactly. And if it looks copy and paste, it feels copy and paste. It is copy and paste. Um, so our approach is a little bit different. Uh, without getting into like all the specifics, because that might be a little bit too boring. But we believe in quality mm-hmm. outreach versus quantity. I would much rather speak with a hundred different people at a very high personalized level then go after a list of 5,000 that may or may not be um, who we think uh, would fit into our ideal prospect profile. Um, so that's what Agency Flare does at, at the high level. We do cold email, LinkedIn outreach, and then cold call. But again, we have a system, we have a sequence, and we typically do it for people in non-sexy industries, like uh, <laughs> commercial, commercial cleaning, uh, facilities management, um commercial HVAC, uh high high level uh B2B service-based sales. Um, but mm-hmm. we've done it from anywhere from software companies to uh even a nonprofit we booked meetings for, believe it or not. And then uh but wow. our bread and butter is like the facilities management sales realm.
0: Okay. No, that that's great to hear. So with that, I mean, one of the things that you said is about prospecting cold calling it is 2021 believe it or not is cold calling still relevant is it important is it a waste of time can you still dial for dollars
1: yeah dial for dollars uh, i love those old school like sales terms <laughs> they they just make me, they make me laugh um yeah. yeah i do i do think cold calling still is relevant but there's a few caveats here one it, it is industry specific uh but depending on the industry uh, it can still be very lucrative. For instance, our commercial cleaning companies they see the best results from cold calling. Our right. software company sees the wor- worst results from cold calling. Also, 2020 threw a wrench in the water.
0: Why do you uh, find we- that with the software companies? I'm in the software world, so I- I'm really interested to see why that happened for you.
1: Yeah, I think a few. I think a few things. One, it's harder just to get direct numbers to software prospects because so many of them can be remote. This was even before mm-hmm. a pandemic. So I don't know about you, David, but do you have an office phone? Uh,
0: yeah, I actually do, but guess what it forwards right to my cell phone. Yeah. Okay. So
1: there you go. <laughs> um, so that's good, but that's not always the case. And so like, right. you you would be in a good position to maybe receive a call. And then if you don't pick up that phone call, um, you might get a voicemail and that voicemail might end up in your Outlook inbox. I don't know, but a lot yep. of, of people have it set up like this. So um, in like the software world, we will cold call and there's a lot of gatekeepers and it's it's hard to always get direct access to the, the correct numbers. But we do something called ringless voicemail. And I really think this is a new technology that all your listeners should be in on if they're not already um, we just learned about what we call RBMs, ringless voicemails, where we can essentially mm-hmm. target 500 Davids with a uh, a number forwarding to a cell phone. And then we're just gonna push a voicemail, but we're gonna make it very personalized to your cell phone. And the odds are, yeah, you'll get the voicemail notification on your cell phone, mm-hmm. um, but our, our hope is actually it hits your email inbox to where you listen to it. So it's notifying you twice um, and we've seen a really great callback rate. I wasn't sure about it uh, when we started. So I always like to do our test our strategies for, with our own sales process first to kind of have a proven model. And it was kind of crazy. I got eight callbacks in the first hour and a half. And mm-hmm. uh, it was it was kind of hard to keep up with, frankly. And so we implemented this for uh, our software client. And that's actually how we've booked meetings over the phone. Uh, real fast here the last Mm uh the first part of your question is cold calling still relevant it is if you have a strategy in terms of just general cold calling it's really hard especially 2020 through a wrench in the water people are out oh yes um our our cold calling doesn't really feel cold by time we even pick up the phone and call any of our prospects whether it's for our clients sake or on our behalf we've already reached out to you anywhere between three to six times via email and LinkedIn with a very personalized outreach. So we like to call them almost just like follow-up calls. And we have someone, uh, we actually have um, a dedicated caller um, call uh, these prospects. And uh, she'll say something like, hey, I believe you got an email from my boss, James. I'm just actually following up to see if you got the email, if you had any questions about the information that was sent. And honestly, hey, David, if you're not interested, we're happy to take you off our call list. Just just let me know. But we do think there might be some opportunity to have a quick conversation. Uh, we're selling conversations at the end of the day. Um, and when we take that type of just human, unscripted, mm-hmm. non-pitchy type of cold call um, strategy, right. we see a really good response rate.
0: No, that, that's great. And I really, I, I get hit up a lot. Emails, voicemails, LinkedIn messaging, and it amazes me how bad people try this. It's just like they're literally just trying to throw darts on a wall. And when I do see something that's good, it's like, holy cow, this is actually a really good email. First, I forward it to my marketing department, <laughs> and yeah, then exactly. I I also give them the time of day, though, to where then I will actually respond to be like, hey, look, uh, we're not interested, but thanks for reaching out.
1: Yeah, cool. So you're a perfect prospect because you gave them a no. You should always yeah. be looking. You should always be looking for a yes or a no. The la- the biggest missed opportunity is like business development reps will reach out to someone, never hear back after one or two times, and they just mm-hmm. assume it's a, it's, it's a dead lead. And I get it. It's because it's hard to follow up with someone six to 12 times, as they say, to get an engagement. But your goal should always in prospecting, get a yes or a no. Don't let ghosted right. responses or maybes sit out there.
0: Right, right, right. Understood. So, what is the true best way then to try to call to get those good prospects, to get the people that can say yes or no? I mean, where are you? Just suggest buying lists of phone number, uh, strategic research of them. I mean, where do you draw that line?
1: Yeah, I think it's really uh, that's an interesting topic on how you get your data on how you do your outreach. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think working with a data partner is really valuable. Like, so, for instance, like someone could call Agency Flare a data partner because we have a full time market researcher, all he does is comb through open source data and get our pro- or our client's prospects data. And then we'll cross check it with like a discovery.org, LinkedIn mm-hmm. sales navigator, things of that. But we're right. actually manually combing lists. There's a lot of legwork and heavy lifting in there. Um, all the automated software's out there, and this isn't to knock any, because I, I think this is becoming more and more of a thing. But sometimes like with Zoom Info, we've just found the data right. to be completely wrong. Or off base, like I said. I, I said my marketing agency. Especially I was right a CEO now with the the pandemic.
0: Company.
1: Yeah, right. exactly. I mean, especially
0: because so many people have changed positions, you know, because laid off or whatever it may be. There's a lot of inaccurate info out there.
1: Exactly, 100. percent I mean, Zoom info says like I'm a CEO of a 10 million dollar company. I can tell you that's not
0: true. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> oh, man. oh man, so. Yeah. so Yeah, no, this is this is great, great info. You have a good story. Seems like your business is doing some really cool stuff out there, uh, especially, you know, for being in the midst of a pandemic, how you've been able to grow it and, and start up what you're starting. I guess to kind of wrap up, let me ask you one other big question then. Young entrepreneurs, okay, how is the best way for them to get started in a business? What would you tell me when I was 20 years old of what I should have done?
1: Yeah, that's a great question and something I'm highly passionate about. I believe this world needs more and more entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurship entrepreneurship is what pulls economies out of Uh recessions, depressions, you name it. Um, I would tell you, David, as a young entrepreneur, any young entrepreneur out there is one, find, a group of winners. You want to be like. Stick with winners, and we are the people we hang out with. You are who you hang out with. So, in a business sense, I think it's okay to have a job at first and kind of cut your teeth or be an intern and make connections and all of that. There's so right. much like hustle. There's such like a hustle or die mentality now, um, and this like in the Instagram entrepreneur world, go for it all in, or you're nothing. And I, mm-hmm. I get that mentality. But right. that just always wasn't my story. I was brought here today by people that were kind enough to show me the path and they had something I wanted. They had the success journey figured out and, right. I, and I needed them to kind of lay those bricks for me to get where I wanted. So I would say stick with someone who's older and more experienced and they have what you want in terms of career and business and yeah. learn from them. Don't follow your passion. Do not follow your passion. And what I mean by that, if your passion is profitable, then then amen, you've done really well. Mm -hmm. Follow something that you believe you're great at and that you Mm -hmm. can become an expert in and become passionate about. I was never passionate about sales, but you know what I am passionate about? People. I love connecting with people. And guess what? I didn't connect the two at first. I thought they were totally different. Um, And if I would have, you know, I originally thought I wanted to be a counselor. Um, And I, (laughs) you know god bless counselors and they're great well you're counseling would people on what to buy yeah it, yeah great, <laughs> great yeah great point great spin on that i'm um, a sales guy <laughs> yeah exactly but i would say find someone that you can kind of uh mentor under and then action it's all about action uh, i mean i think anyone would say that the rubber does eventually need to meet the road be smart about it but if you're young Try a bunch Mm -hmm. of different things and see what works and just get the experience. And uh, I know it's not the typical advice out there. You know, people want, they want strategy, they want specifics, and then they want, you know, to go all in and they want to be the next Mark Zuckerberg or whatnot. Um, But I'd say stick with winners. If you're young, you have the time to just try a bunch of different things and then figure out what's profitable and become passionate Mm -hmm. about that.
0: Right. Right. Now, that's great advice. I wish I would have had that when I was 18, 19 or 20. I probably definitely would have opened up a taco shop when I was down in Tijuana. But yeah, James, this was amazing, man. You gave us a lot of good insight into how you became you and about, you know, how to do this stuff during the pandemic, the benefits of uh, outsourcing the sales with co-calling and stuff like that. How can people get in contact with you?
1: Yeah, if you guys wanna get in contact with me, James Harper on LinkedIn, I'm happy to connect with anyone. Go ahead and tell me you found me on SharkBiteBiz. Or you can head over to Outbound Sales Report. I do send out a monthly outbound sales email with insights. It's no BS, it just cuts to the point. Our whole goal is to try to give you as much actionable information and insights into just like the cold prospecting world, which is really highly overlooked in the entire sales process
0: okay awesome hey james thank you so much it's been a pleasure having you on here and once this pandemic thingy kind of ends i definitely want to get you back on so that we can talk about cold calling and you know prospecting post pandemic and how yep. we should do things then david
1: thank you so very much would love to come back on your show
0: uh definitely cheers man cheers that was an awesome chat with james right but first I'm not gonna sugarcoat this. You all know the routine right now. If you found this interview helpful, if it sparked some warm and fuzzies, do me a favor, smash that like button, smash that subscribe button. Remember, we're trying to build a like-minded community of business people, people that want to grow personally, that want to have their businesses break through the bottlenecks that are preventing growth, okay? That's what we're trying to build here. Do us a favor, smash that like button, smash that subscribe button. And if you really, really want to do me a solid, share this out. Get this out to your social media LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you go. Let's get James Harper, agencyflare.com, and Shark Bite Biz trending. I'm still waiting for that day. Has not happened yet, but I'm sure in time you all will come together and help us rise to the top. Now, let's get back to Mr. Agency Flair himself, James Harper. I've got to say, I don't really own my own business. Okay, well, Shark Bite Biz, yeah, I guess you can call it a business, but I don't really do that for money, per se. In fact, I lose money. It costs me money to do this show for everybody. I do it to grow as a person, to grow as a professional. I've learned so much on this show, and I'm sure you all have, too, and, you know, like I said, I just want to reiterate, I don't actually do it for the financial aspect of it. Maybe one day it'll make me a millionaire. Who knows? I doubt it. That's not what my end game is here with the show. Although I would like to add, if you do want to sponsor it, I will gladly take the sponsorship so that the show doesn't cost me money anymore. But that being said, I do have that entrepreneurial calling. I have that spirit built into my soul, and one day maybe I will build a big business of my own, but for now, for the time being, I'm really happy working with an excellent company like Vision 33, where essentially I I do own my own company, my own business in a way. As I fully run the Northeast SAP region, I fully run the East Coast Sage region, Everything starts and ends with me, PL, employees, implementations, customer sales. It's all with me. So the thing is, the reason why I'm talking about this is because I had a very similar ambition and drive, just like business owners do. Even though I don't own my own business, I'm still in that same mindset, and I, I'm bringing this all up because of what James had said early on in his career, how what he was doing to make money, going out selling artwork to doctor offices or dentist offices, things like that. And it's hard. I mean, that is really going out there, grifting, it's an entrepreneurial spirit. All that hustle that I personally did in my life was very similar to what James did early on in his life. It is what made me, It is definitely what made James into who James is today. That hustle, grind, you know, when you're burning at the chops for just a real opportunity in life, a business, this is the type of stuff that if you do during your lifetime, I mean, it is real character building stuff that is going to give you the experience, the know how, the energy, the drive, the commitment and you know it's like if you chase after it you will end up eventually building that empire for yourself for your family and probably really importantly too your team you cannot forget the team and those people that really help you reach the successes that you've you know lusted after that you dreamt about Bring everybody into that fold and use that energy, that drive, that ambition for some good stuff. The other point that I wanted to discuss is where James said, not everything can be automated. You need to find the line, find the place in your processes where you can still be genuine, but yet still be extremely effective. Too many people end up thinking automation in sales and marketing means we are just going to be order takers anymore. And even the order takers, they try to automate fully that portion. And I'll tell you, I mean, it'll work. You'll get people to say, oh, David, I automate everything and it works fine. And it probably does for a certain type of business. But I do think it is limiting. It isn't going to really allow you to grow and thrive in a distance world that we live in right now, which is mostly remote, giving a personal touch on things that that people can feel like they are dealing with humans and not just some algorithm is critical for the utmost success. I think James understands that balance extremely well, and that's a very good reason why his business Agency flair is kicking so much butt. We've talked about the automation process many times with sales, marketing, all that stuff. And we're going to discuss it once again. The question for today's episode is, where do you draw the line in personalization versus automation and efficiency? What works for you? Comment down below on YouTube. Let the commentary low and also you know i want to give a shout out to all of our fans who wanted to be on the show we got so many requests i'm essentially booking out almost six months now if you got something hot shoot me an email david at sharkbitebiz.com but i'm thinking of maybe tweaking some things going forward to get more people on the show to get people on the show faster uh two episodes a week it is demanding for me But I have so many requests. I can do so much more. I'm kind of, you know, want to reach out to the community. What ideas do you all have? And, you know, how can we tweak things to make it better for you all? Let me hear your ideas and we will rock this together. Lastly, I want to remind you again, check out my Forbes article I'm trying to get that to a couple thousand views. And, you know, Sharkbite Biz is such a, a great community. I think you all will find some value in reading that article. Check it out. Give me your feedback. What all do you want to hear on my next article? I'm about to start writing on that right now so that it can get published in the next month or so. So please give me your feedback. Give me your thoughts. Again, email david at sharkbitebiz.com. And I know you all know this by now, but I'll say it again. I'm David Strasser. This is Shark By Biz, and we'll see you all next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Shark By Biz.